Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And they have sporting events uh, that you can look up, and it shows you where you'll be sitting right there as, you, as you're searching on what tickets are available. Nice color photos from the stadiums or venues uh, with the perspective uh, from the tickets that you get. And I also like... Uh, the you know the music um, offerings that they have. So I have mine set for Seattle. I live in the Pacific Northwest, and my wife and I talked about we wanted to start going out to live music more. Something that we can do together as a couple. And so I just look at the app and see what's going on in Seattle, and if it whether it's a big venue or a more of a quaint smaller venue, but it's music that people like, uh, you can usually find it right there. So the Game Time app is improving my marriage, and uh, maybe it can improve yours as well. If you're into that, go to the Game Time app. It's simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to a special edition of the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Funston, joined as always by Eric Wong. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Brandon Funston, Eric at Roto Evil, and Eric is our fantasy hoops expert at The Athletic, so uh, check him out at the fantasy basketball page on The Athletic. If you want to get a subscription to The Athletic for 40% off, and who doesn't like 40% off, go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes and with that subscription it'll allow you to check out all of our nba podcasts there's some great ones in our lineup including no dunks back to back hoops adjacent with david aldridge and the daily ding and we also have several great team specific podcasts uh, uh for those that want to follow directly with just their team so check that out uh, i mentioned this is a special edition what we're doing is we're looking back at the last decade in nba fantasy um and we're going to name our uh, first and second team, all NBA fantasy teams, starting with the 2010-2011 season. Uh, we Most of the stats we were talking about will be from that range. So uh, technically nine full seasons and a month into this season so far. Uh, we might fudge the numbers and throw in the 2009-2010 season where it helps the case for our guys that we've chosen. Eric, uh, are you as excited about this as I am? Yes, when I heard about this idea, I thought it was a great idea and uh, helped me uh, look at look at some of the early earlier part of this decade. Kind of, you know, it's easy to forget some of the some of the studs in the early 2010 uh, seasons and which guys have been the most consistent, which guys have been durable, who's had that longevity, and so it's a fun exercise to look at all these players like that. Yeah, you know, I, I dabble in the fantasy football world as well, and we've we've done this. Uh, and the cool thing about the NBA one and this, these two teams that we're going to reveal here is that all these guys that we're going to talk about are still relevant. Whereas the NFL, you know, your careers, uh, you know, we look at running backs for like a three or four year span, and that's you know about all you're going to get for a lot of the guys that put up great seasons. But uh, the NBA longevity uh, it's been pretty impressive, and and these guys that we'll talk about have been with us uh, for most of the decade, really. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, and they've been standouts as well. So 
Uh, if you're ready to dive in, I am as well. Um, we basically named two guards, two forwards, and a center for each of these teams. And our first team, we'll start with the guards, and I'll throw, I'll reveal our first uh, choice. And that is going to be Steph Curry, um, whose rookie season was 2009-2010. Um, he's had seven seasons in this past decade of 74-plus games. And as we talk about these guys, I'm going to harp on durability. As a fantasy owner, I just feel like that's such a, an important skill is just being able to stay out there. We're seeing a lot of load management with guys these days. The guys that can play 70-plus games year in and year out, you know, it's such a grind and so impressive. And the guys that can do it at the level that, that Curry has done it uh, is even more impressive. I mentioned the seven seasons of 74 plus games, seven straight seasons also leading up to this year of 22.9 points or more, typically getting six uh, assists, five rebounds, one and a half steals in that span. And the, the big number, of course, is the four three-pointers per game roughly they've been getting uh, for the last several seasons as well. And I was looking up one season in particular – I just noticed he shot 50% from the field on 20 shots per game. I was like, wow, how many guys in the last decade have shot 50% on an average of 20 shots per game? Uh, well, there's only been four to do it. The others were uh, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant. So even more impressive because more than half of his shots that season, the 2015-2016 season for Curry, were from for from uh, beyond the arc where he shot 45%. Oh, he also shot 90% from the foul line uh, that year. That's what you get from Steph Curry. So uh, Eric, what's your feelings on Steph Curry? Yeah. I mean, uh, especially uh, when you factor in his true shooting percentage has been off the charts many seasons because that's factoring his, in his three point percentage and his free throw shooting. Right. And so he's just had some unreal seasons there. And then I like how you brought up his uh, durability factor because early in his career, he was considered injury prone, you know, when he started having the ankle issues. Remember that. And, def- and definitely that uh, 2011-12 season where he missed a whole bunch of games uh, is when people really got scared off. And uh, so I bring that up because that helped me win win some leagues <laughs> for the 2012-13 season. I remember getting him in the second round, uh, it may have even been at like the end of the second round uh, in drafts that year because uh, people were so scared of his ankle issues. And then, of course, he went on to have a top five season and uh, helped me win a few leagues that year. And, of course, uh, this year he's going to miss a bunch of games, but maybe that same thing will happen next year where people will be scared off and he could actually end up being a nice value pick next year. Yeah, I think in the long run, that's going to serve Golden State well that Curry's missing a bunch of games this year and what was going to likely be a lost season anyways. Um, and I remember that, the early injury. And I think because of how skinny he is, like, and you add to the fact that he, you know, he, early in his career, he missed games with that ankle injury. You kind of look at him and go, oh, this guy's not going to be able to, to hold up. And I, I know there's been an argument that, oh, could Steph Curry have done what he's been doing when, you know, the bad boys of Detroit and the Knicks and that kind of basketball uh, of, you know, a couple get decades ago in that style and things have gotten a lot more, you know, quote unquote finesse these days. But I, I honestly think Curry would have been great in any era. Uh, I don't know where you stand on that. If you think he's, you know, especially going to stand out in this day and age, certainly with the amount of three pointers they're shooting, but like, I just think that, you know, he's, I think he's legitimately durable and I think he's able to play whatever style is going on on the court. 
Yeah, I mean, the great players would adapt to different eras, right? But they right. definitely, if you, if you played in the in the early 90s, they definitely would have had to uh, get a, a big uh, physical enforcer to go with him. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so he is our first guard. Eric, why don't you introduce our second guard on our first team, all-decade team? All right, the second guard is a, a little bit tougher decision to make because you have several viable candidates, but I'm going with James Harden, first team all-decade. Uh same same as Curry, he was a rookie 2009-10, so very good timing as far as the de- all-decade goes. Came off the bench his first three seasons for OKC, and he was actually very valuable as a sixth man in 2011-12. Um, he was a top 25 fantasy player even coming off the bench, shot a career best 49% from the field last year. That's uh, uh, something uh, his fantasy owners can only dream of now because he shoots so many threes. But it shows how effective he was even when he was coming off the bench. Joined the Rockets in 2012 and has essentially been a top five fantasy player for eight straight seasons since he joined the Rockets. Several fantasy MVP titles under his belt, probably on his way to uh, that same distinction this year. His current stats are off the charts offensively. Only Wilt Chamberlain has averaged as many points and free throw attempts as he's doing right now. And of course, uh, he shoots an elite percentage from the free throw line, gives you a whole bunch of assists and steals, and uh, he's just become an unstoppable force offensively. He does turn the ball over a lot, but you know you just need to throw that out the window if you're playing in nine category because he does so much else everywhere else. Yeah, and even with those turnovers in nine category, I think uh, you know you mentioned top five fantasy player for eight straight seasons in eight cat, but he's you know top eight in in nine cat. So even with those turnovers, he's still been insane. I, I'll look back at this decade as he's kind of the poster child of for sort of how the NBA game changed. You know, like the Houston went with the advanced analytics and just getting three balls up, and and he was the guy that they've kind of built all this around, and we've seen a lot of the league follow suit. So my, when I look, I I just see, you know, the NBA sea change, uh, who you're going to make the, the poster child of that era. I think it's James Harden. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? I think you have to give Curry and the Warriors some credit there too, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess that explains why Curry and Harden are our first team, uh, all decade guards. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so those are our first-team guards. Uh, we will talk about the guys that almost uh, made the first team of guards. They'll be on our second team. We'll get to them in a minute. But let's go ahead and transition uh, to the forwards. And I don't know if we had to name, like, uh, our number one overall for the decade. I think Kevin Durant uh, might uh, have the strongest case. Uh, he's been an absolute stud. I am a Sonics fan. I was, I was able to watch his last – home game as a Seattle Sonic, which happened to be the last home game of the Sonics franchise. He had, I think he had 19 points and then he went to golden state for the very last game as a, as you know, the Seattle Sonics franchise and he scored 42, which was his season high as a rookie. And he really hasn't looked back since then. I mean, um, since the 2009, 2010 season, which is one year ahead of uh, our window that we're looking at, he is number two in win shares behind LeBron James. So I think, uh, and oops, maybe a spoiler alert on the forwards here, but I think Kevin Durant, LeBron James, maybe are our MVPs of the decade here. And, and, you know, Durant's just all about um, 
you know, you look at his decade of scoring 27.7 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, uh, nearly five assists, gives you a steal, a block, uh, over two threes. And he did it shooting 50% from the field, almost 90% from the foul. You really can't ask, uh, for a whole lot more than that. What do you, uh, what do you have to say about Durant? Yeah, definitely, definitely that elite shooting percentages gives him a, a big advantage over LeBron. I think it's fair to call them co-MVPs. Durant did have that uh, 2014-15 season where he only played in 27 games. I believe that was the broken foot. Is that what you yeah, recall? I th- yep, I think that's right. But uh, LeBron hasn't missed uh, that many games Um so that kind of helps out LeBron's case. But I, I like the idea of giving them co-MVPs for this decade. Yeah, and uh, we're going to talk about LeBron in just one second. But, you know, LeBron has shoes. Durant has shoes. My kid's into those shoes. Uh, you know, they come out with new versions all the time. But if you're, if you're into kind of going back and getting the collectible shoes, the retro uh, sneakers that are out there, whatever's hot, uh, let me tell you about Stock X. Uh, if you want to... Uh, you know how if we want to know how to get like the newest sneakers, the hottest sneakers on the market, the ones that barely hit the shelves. The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneaker streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan, uh, to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace, and Kith. Uh, if you're looking to add the the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation, or as I mentioned, the Durants or LeBrons, uh, maybe you want a, you're feeling nostalgic and you want a pair of Air Max 95s, you can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes even for prices lower than retail. So if you want in on all the hype, check out StockX.com backslash B-Ball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com backslash B-Ball. Check it out today. Uh, all right, Eric, uh, let's check out our second forward on our first team, all NBA decade fantasy team. We've mentioned him. It's LeBron James. Um, Co-MVP as we're just kind of just uh, in show on the fly naming <laughs> the LeBron and Kevin Durant, our top guys here. Tell me about LeBron in this past decade. Sure. Obviously, uh, LeBron should be a no-brainer for anyone that's been following the NBA for the past 15 plus years yeah. came into the league uh 2003-04 put up some decent stats as a rookie became an all-star in his second season and has been an all-star ever since his stats for the decade um since the 2010-11 season he's played uh 664 games averages of 26.6 points 7.7 rebounds seven and a half assists one and a half steals blocks, one and a half threes, over 53% from the field, right around 73% from the free throw line. He's been over 50% from the field almost every season this decade. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, the drawback is he's been over 76% from the line only once. And, uh, you know, that's definitely the, the big flaw on his resume there. But, you know, for the most part, he's been very durable, Seven times this decade where he's missed eight games or fewer. Last year was a kind of an anomaly, and now we're seeing him fully rested and healthy, and he's suddenly leading the league in assists and uh, trying to take the Lakers as far as he can take them. 
Um, you know, it does, does turn the ball over quite a bit, uh, which has prevented him from posting a top 10 stats for nine cat leagues. But in eight cat leagues, he's basically been a top 10 lock every season and a top three player for, for a big chunk of the decade. And so, you know, it's no, no brainer to have LeBron on the first team. Yeah, and you always mention that, you know, you when you control the ball so much, you're going to have turnovers. I think the nice thing about these guys in nine cat leagues is everybody's going to have a star that has, you know, a lot of turnovers that controls the ball a lot. And so those kind of all sort of cancel each other out. So um, in a nine cat league, if if your problem is turnovers, it's usually not something that's going to to be a big deal. I, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot we can say about LeBron that people don't already know. Um, I don't think anybody's going to give us a hard time for putting LeBron on our first team, uh, which means we can move on to the center position and LeBron's uh, new teammate this year in Anthony Davis. You know, in, in basically the modern NBA, we've seen the, the center has been kind of a diminished uh, position. I think Anthony Davis kind of is the best version of what the new center in the NBA uh, can look like. I mean, he has uncommon agility and athleticism for a guy his size. You look at his rookie season was 2012-2013. He's basically been an all-star every season uh, since his rookie year. You look at over the past five seasons, he's averaged 24 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks, one steal with with great shooting percentages. Uh, Those are know some great difference making defensive numbers in addition to outstanding offense and we've seen in the last couple years he's getting that three-point ball uh close to almost one three-pointer per game which is just another huge feather in his cap so uh yeah i mean do you have any qualms with anthony davis as our number one center no i think you got to get it to him you know the only the only downside with him is that he hasn't he's never played more than 75 games in a season right he always right. has these minor injuries that kind of keep him sidelined. But when he's on the court, you know that guy's top five player guaranteed and, uh, you know, leading the league in block shots several times, shooting uh, over 80% from the free throw line most years from the center spot is money. And so, uh, yeah, you got to give it to Davis. I think it's hard to go with anyone else at the center spot. All right, so our first team, just to uh, review, Steph Curry, James Harden in our backcourt. We have Kevin Durant and LeBron at the forward spots and Anthony Davis as our center, uh, which leads us to our so our second team, the guys coming off the bench. Uh, so why don't you introduce our first guard on our second team, all-decade team? Yeah, I think that first team uh, list was pretty uh, pretty obvious for most people who play fantasy hoops. Second team, uh, we'll get into a little bit trickier trickier um, guys' uh, selections. This uh, second teamer might be the guy with the best case you could make for getting some first team votes, and that would be Chris Paul. Obviously, the Chris Paul that we're seeing now is kind of on the downside of his career. He's no longer in his prime, but he was a top five fantasy player. For the the first three or four seasons uh, of the decade, he led the league in steals four times in a row to start the decade. He's obviously an elite defender. He was uh, a lock for nine-plus assists every year, basically from 2006-07 to 2016-17. For over a full decade, he was averaging nine-plus assists. Um, Like most of the guys on this list, he's made the playoffs every season this decade. Uh, it will be very interesting to see if that streak continues. He's playing for the Thunder right now. Um, the Thunder could 
possibly sneak into the playoffs? Probably not, though. So will they uh, will they look to trade him? Will he request a trade as we get closer to the trade deadline? Um, you know, injuries have limited him in certain seasons, but he's been extremely consistent and reliable whenever he's played, and definitely one of the top point guards of this era for sure. Yeah, it's just those DMP. I mean, I guess that's probably the biggest reason. Like, you look at his per game numbers. Uh, we'll go back to even to 2007, 2008, from 2007, 2008 to. 2015 2016 he was in a in a nine category league he was top six and mostly top four in all of those seasons it's just that you know you get the you get the 20 to 25 uh dmps sprinkled throughout his career and even you know in the last three seasons he's been only as high as 61 games uh so just uh you know just that kind of like in and out of the lineup durability overall uh, I think has kept him out of our first team. Uh, I will go ahead and, and give our second guard uh, to pair with Chris Paul on the second team here, and that's going to be Russell Westbrook. Um, you look at his numbers, it's really hard to argue with him. Inclusion on this podcast, uh, it's just been amazing, especially the last three years. We know averaging the triple-double, that's been kind of what he's really stood out for uh, in his career statistically, but it's been all good uh, since he entered the NBA 2008, 2009, he was the last number one pick of the Seattle Sonics. Sorry, I'm plugging my Sonics uh, in <laughs> in this podcast. He never played for the Sonics. They moved to Oklahoma City, uh, of, of course, and uh, he's been fantastic in in this decade, basically averaging 25 points, 7.6 rebounds, nearly nine assists, um, almost two steals. Three-point ball has been over one. It hasn't always been perfect from beyond the arc, uh, but uh, – he is at least contributing on a per game basis in makes there turnovers high as, as we talked about with a lot of these guys and the field goal percentage uh, down at 43.8 for the, uh, for the decade. But something I'll probably be harping on a, a bit more as we go forward is uh, just durability. Uh, I looked at his numbers and only two seasons has he had more than nine DMPs um, in a season, which is fantastic. I love the set it and forget it guys that you don't have to micromanage your roster for. And Russell Westbrook certainly uh, fits that bill as well. Uh, thoughts on Russell Westbrook? Yeah, definitely the durability is a huge plus. I used to like saying that he was a part adamantium Wolverine uh, <laughs> in, in his uh, skeleton. Definitely a guy super durable. Uh, one of my favorite things about him is that you know he used to be an elite scorer and led the league in scoring uh, two years topping out at 31.6 points per game in 2016-17, but then he kind of transitioned into being more of a passer playmaker, led the league in assists the two seasons after that, and I just like him him showing that uh, versatility that he can either be a lead scorer or top playmaker. And uh, yeah, definitely the you know three-point shooting is what prevents him uh, from getting first team consideration and you know that drags his poor shooting drags down his field goal percentage as well but otherwise you know he's he's a different type of player than curry and harden and it's it's nice having him the explosive uh dynamic rebounding guard is kind of the uh the opposite of a little bit of harden and curry yeah, just like from a physical standpoint, kind of what you would maybe come up with in a science lab if you could build like the, the perfectly athletic uh, guard. So Russell Westbrook, 
looks the part and he's played the part uh, for the past decade for sure. Uh, all right. Those, uh, so we have Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook in our backcourt. Let's move to the forward position. Eric, who's our, who's our first forward on our second team here? Yeah, so I think those four guards were pretty easy to pick. And uh, the second team forwards is a little more interesting. And, uh, you know, this guy didn't come into the league until 2013-14. Averages 6.8 points per game in under 25 minutes as a rookie. But uh, ever since then, Giannis Antetokounmpo has just been on a tear. His upward trajectory has been insane. His scoring average has gone up every season, so seven straight seasons. Um, he still managed to uh, post top uh, 20 fantasy stats in 2015-16, even though he wasn't a big-time scorer then, averaged uh, under 17 points a game. And ever since then, he's been a first-round stud, uh, MVP last season, and... Uh, yeah, he's he's just become becoming more and more unstoppable, averaging 30 plus points, 14 plus rebounds this year gives you consistent steals and blocks, is shooting uh around 57% from the field this year, almost 58% from the field last year. Is starting to take more threes, still is hovering a uh, around 30% from three, and his uh, free throw percentage is definitely disappointing at just uh, around low 60s. But uh, he's a career 73% free throw shooter, and that should definitely improve and hopefully will start to creep up uh, as he gains more experience and uh, refines his shooting stroke. But uh, just the way he he finished out this uh, second half of the decade, I think I'm giving him the nod for that second team spot. Yeah, I mean he's he's his arrows are still going up. I mean we might talk in five years about his best five years being this year and the next four to come because he's just still getting better. And he's sort of a you know physically he's kind of one of those cheat code guys where you're not when you're that when you're that tall and you're that long and you're that strong you're not supposed to be that coordinated and athletic. And uh, he's really you know been dealt a straight flush uh, from that standpoint. And he's uh, making good use of those tools for sure. Uh, so that's a, you know, I think a, a, a slam dunk for our forward on our second team there. Uh, the other forward, I think maybe a little bit more of an argument. If you start, as we talk about some of the honorable mention guys, I think, you know, maybe you could argue uh, that some of the other ones could have deserved a spot. But for me, I ended up on Paul George. Uh, he was basically a rookie at the start of the decade, 2010, 2011, uh, drafted by Larry Bird. Uh, again, he's been a guy that... Uh, other than just very recently, and then way back in 2014-15, you remember he lost, uh, had a lost season due to a leg injury. Um, but other than that, just been durable, been great. He returned from that leg injury uh, the following season, and I remember there was kind of—I I just had some questions. Oh, is he going to be the same player that was kind of skyrocketing in terms of his stock? And he came out and averaged what was then a career high 23 points. Um, if you look at the decade, he's been right at 20 points, six rebounds, uh, 3.3 assists, almost two steals, uh, good foul shooter, 80, almost 85%. I guess the knock, if you're looking at it, would be the 43% field goal percentage. Uh, but he's just a player that kind of like a fine wine seems to be getting better as he's getting older. And you look at last year, he averaged uh, a career high 28 points and, uh, 
you know, this year he's right at 28 points again in the four games he's played with the Clippers. But uh, just a stud. I, I just one of the guys that I enjoy watching the most in the NBA. I just, just love the way he plays basketball. Um, are you good with Paul George as our second forward on the second team here? Yeah, I think that's a smart pick. I like what you said about him uh, recovering from that leg injury and not not missing a beat. Same thing for this season, right? Like he missed the first uh, nearly month of the season, had off-season shoulder surgeries, and then he just comes in and starts draining threes, shooting 53% from the field, and uh, doesn't look like uh, anything's uh, slowing him down right now. And uh, I love the I love the fact that he's a two way player, one of the top defenders in the league as well. So he brings it on both ends. He's not just you know focused on scoring. And it seems like you know you can put him in any lineup with a superstar or not, and he'll just uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna be helpful and, and fit in uh, no matter what. So uh, Paul George, our second forward on the second team, which basically brings us to our last spot of the two of our top 10 players basically for the past decade in fantasy. And it's our center spot. You're calling this our toughest pick of the first two teams here. Why don't you introduce our second team center? Yeah, I, th- I think this uh, pick in the second center was the toughest, toughest decision. And uh, I'm going to give this guy the nod for his consistency and super strong shooting percentages. And that's LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, Came into the league uh, 06, 07, but it did take him a while to get going. And the start of the decade, 2010-11, was basically his first season averaging 20-plus points. It did help that he played nearly 40 minutes per game that season. Uh, It was a different era where guys were playing uh, 39-plus minutes. And Aldridge has basically been a lock for 21 to 23 points, 8 to 10 rebounds per game ever since then. Just a couple of down years where he missed those uh, benchmarks, but he's uh, been super reliable, no major injuries. Uh, The most games he's missed in any particular season was 13 games in 2013-14, and so he's one of those guys that you can count on, and especially uh, for Roto Leagues or for head-to-head teams where you're trying to have that finesse big man squad, uh, you don't have to worry about him hurting your free throw percentage, right, because he's been... Yeah. Over 81% from the foul line for nine straight seasons, which is pretty remarkable for a, for a big man. And he's just been money from mid-range. He loves that uh, that that area. Over 41% from 10 to 16 feet and over right around 43% on long two-pointers, which is a, a very good mark um, for any player, let alone a big man. Doesn't give you a ton of blocks, but just, you know, that reliable points, rebounds, and shooting percentage is uh, is tough to beat. Yeah, I think it's a great call for our second center. I love Lamarcus Aldridge. He's kind of the you know the hard hat guy you can always count on. Uh, you know, sort of the Mariano Rivera of the basketball world, like the guy that if he's on the court, just expect uh, you know good things to be happening with him. Just year in and year out, kind of just been the same player no matter what the situation. So. Um, so that's it. That's our second team. Uh, just to review, that's Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook in the backcourt. Uh, Giannis and Paul George were our forwards, and our center was LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, so I guess before we wrap this up, we should talk about the guys that were on the periphery, the guys that maybe just missed the cut. And I will start uh, with the guard that probably was closest uh, to cracking our top four guards that we've picked here. And for me, it's, it's got to be Damian Lillard. 
in Portland, who, again, we talk about durability. The guy came into the league in 2012-2013. He played three straight seasons of 82 games, and up until now has never played less than 73 games. And he's due it with consistent 20-point scoring, right around uh, six to seven assists, um, big in the three-point numbers as well. Uh, he was a guy that was drafted out of Weber State. Not a lot of people really knew him. Uh, but he hit the ground running in the NBA uh, with 19 points as a rookie and is just uh, one of the funnest players to watch in the league. He just, you know, he brings energy and, and is just a com- one of the top competitors in the league. So Damian Lillard is a guy that I would, uh, you know, want to give tribute to, even though he didn't make our top two teams. What about you? Yeah, without a doubt, I like uh, the Lillard selection there, you know, 90% from the free throw line, super, bur- super durable, super fun to watch. Very similar player that I think uh, deserves an honorable mention is Kyrie Irving. Came into the league one season before Lillard did, so 2011-12 rookie year. And uh, was still quite valuable as a rookie. Um, And, uh, you know, the knock on him would be he's missed more games, hasn't been quite as durable but he, he's had some really strong seasons, um, over 85% from the free throw line uh, every single year. Gets a bunch of threes. Doesn't give you elite assists, but, you know, chips in with the assists, the steals, blocks decent number of shots, and uh, has had some, some years where he shoots the ball well from the field as well. And uh, I think him and, him and Lillard are both uh, solid, honorable mention guys. Other guys that we considered are... John Wall, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, both Wade and Kobe, you kind of you kind of look at them as uh, f- feeling like they should get uh, mentions here, but really, you know, it, it was the decade before in the 2010 plus. Both guys maybe for like three seasons were still top 20 fantasy players, but then they really tailed off at the end of their careers, so it's hard to give them much more love than that. And the sneaky one is Drew Holiday who's uh, been around for most of the decade and just has been just very rock solid, reliable for, for most of the decade. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, you know, if Kyrie had the kind of durability run of Damian Lillard, it might've been really hard to keep him out of our top four. I'm, I'm guessing just cause you know, his, his ceilings may be slightly higher than Damian Lillard's just, uh, you know, he gets to dang for the durability. So, I think those are some guys that definitely need to be mentioned. Why don't you take us into the honorable mentions at the forward spot? Yep, another guy that has had some injury issues in the past but is uh, having a uh, comeback year, bounce back year. This year is Kevin Love for the Cavs. And, uh, you know, he gets the the mention here for the all-decade honorable mention just because at the beginning of the decade when he was still on Minnesota – he had some amazing seasons. We're talking, you know, top five fantasy player in both 2011-12 and 2013-14. You know, averaged 26 points, 12-13 rebounds in both of those years. Super reliable free throw shooter, lots of threes from the center spot, uh, you know, even though he's uh, more of a forward. But, uh, yeah, Kevin Love's peak years at the beginning of the decade were excellent. And he hasn't been, you know, an elite top 20 player since then, but he's still putting up top 40, top 50 type stats most of the other years. 
uh, you know, for for a lot of these guys, it's the what ifs. I mean, I just, you know, with Kyrie and with Kevin Love, you're like, what if these guys were just able to stay on the court all the time? We, they'd be putting up some, some crazy numbers. And Kevin Love's game, I just remember him at UCLA. I just was like, wow, here's this big dude who can, you know, shoot from the outside, grab one-handed rebounds, and throw one-handed baseball pass outlets. And, uh, you know, just a just a cool player for a guy his size and, and sort of different than what we had seen uh, mostly. So uh, Kevin Love, I think, is, is a good call. I want to throw out Paul Millsap because uh, Millsap's just one of those guys. I, I mentioned LaMarcus Aldridge as a hard hat player. I think Paul Millsap is maybe the perfect example of that. Uh, just very, very few seasons for him uh, in the past decade in like the top 10 but always kind of hanging around the top 20, top 25 periphery. Um, and, and the thing about it is you, in most years, I kind of feel like he was always getting underdrafted. Like he never kind of got dr- drafted uh, in fantasy drafts as high as he probably deserved because, you know, the, the splashy numbers like the points and, and stuff didn't really jump out. But he's just kind of across the board, steady Eddie kind of guy who give you, uh, you know, a regular kind of 15 to 17 points, always giving you seven to nine rebounds. He shoot well from the field uh, and hustle defensive stats. A smaller guy that would give you a block and throw in uh, over a steal per game as well. So I want to get a give a nod to the that a, a kind of a player like this on this list, and I think he exemplifies it the best. Is just one of those glue guys that you can get in you know a lot of times in the after the first couple rounds of a draft uh, that you just end up loving uh, on your fantasy team. So you have any problems with Paul and Millsap being our second honorable mention mention here? No, I, I love the fact that you uh, are giving Millsap a shout out. Definitely underappreciated. Doesn't get the respect he deserves. And I'd like to point out that he's the the only player on this list, either first or second team or honorable mention, that was not a first round pick. Right? He was a second round pick right. by Utah. Uh, even though he led the NCAA in rebounding, people didn't think that would translate because he was undersized, and he just gets the job done. He just goes out, does his job, doesn't complain, and uh, doesn't care if he doesn't get 20 shots. He just gets the job done, and definitely one of my favorite players uh, to watch and have a lot of respect for him. So I like the the shout-out there. Other forwards uh, we considered, Kawhi Leonard, definitely. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, we didn't, San Antonio kind of held them back some of those years, right? Like right. Uh, it's a team environment. You don't really let the the stars shine as much as they got the chance to on other teams. Jimmy Butler, another uh, uh, consistent guy, and actually he was he a second round pick too. I forgot that you know we had listed him, but uh, I'll, I'll he was the you can keep talking. About he was the last pick. Oh. I'm looking it up. He was okay. the last pick of the first round in 2011. So he was a first round pick. Um, Blake Griffin, some, some monster seasons, but also some durability issues and did have those free throw shooting issues when he came into the league as well. Draymond green, uh, definitely some nice, uh, some nice seasons for the Warriors, but not quite the elite scoring that you would, uh, would hope for Carmelo and Dirk, of course had some, uh, had some awesome seasons in the first half of the decade, but definitely tailed out, tailed off, and um, not didn't do quite enough uh, as uh, our picks of Love and Millsap for the honorable mention forwards. Yeah, obviously Kawhi. If you you know, it's all about uh, games played with him uh, for sure. So uh, okay, Kevin Love, 
Paul Millsap, our honorable mention forwards. Who's our honorable mention uh, center? Yes, this was a, a tricky one too. And uh, maybe would, at the end of this season, maybe I'll have said, oh, maybe he should have got the the nod for the second team spot over Lamarcus Aldridge based on what he's doing this year. And that is Carl Anthony Towns. Unfortunately, uh, he didn't come into the league until 2015-16, but he he definitely burst onto the scene and was a, a top 10 fantasy player even as a rookie because he played in every single game. And as he as he did for his first three years, he didn't miss a single game. Um, has shot uh, over 50 percent from the field every every uh, season well over 54 percent the first three years and now he's starting to shoot more threes which is going to drag that down but super reliable from the free throw line 12 plus boards and his assists are ramping up as well and hopefully uh the shot blocking will continue to improve as well so okay. even though he didn't even play the first half of the decade i think uh, you got to give carl anthony towns the honorable mention here yeah, he's going to have a half a decade after this year uh, in the books, and he's on a kind of MVP-type season. So just on the weight of those five seasons alone, which have been fantastic, I, I think we have to mention him here as an honorable mention. I don't really have a, a good honorable mention because I, you know, you look at some of the next best candidates, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Vucevic, uh, Marcus Sol, Horford, you know, you can kind of you can kind of nitpick on different things, whether it's durability, and mostly it's been durability more than inconsistency uh, with these guys, and you know, just had, had had seasons where big chunks chunks of games have been lost to injury. So, uh, to me, Carl Anthony Towns stands out above all those other guys. If if I said uh, Cousins, Vucevic, Gasol, and Horford, and press the gun to your head, uh, which one would you throw into the mix here? Well, I'd say Cousins would be the guy if he hadn't uh, missed so much of last year and then probably all of this year, right? Just uh, missing the majority of two seasons to close out the decade really hurts him. Otherwise, I think he would have, I would have given him the nod probably over Towns if if he had been playing uh, these past two years. But I like, uh, you know, the fact that we had Towns and Giannis in there for uh, the all decade, even though Towns is just honorable mention, but those both those guys are probably going to be all decade for the next decade. So that'll be very interesting to watch uh, to see if they can maintain that for another ten years. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll revisit that in ten years. Does that sound good? That sounds good. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's revisit who we've named here. Our first team, all decade fantasy NBA team uh, in the backcourt: Steph Curry. James Harden uh, at forward we went with Kevin Durant and LeBron James at center, Anthony Davis. And we're calling uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant the co-MVPs of the decade. On the second team, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook uh, at forward, Giannis and Paul George. And our center is LaMarcus Aldridge. So that is going to wrap up our Dunks and Dimes special all-decade fantasy hoops team uh, again, my name is Brandon Funston. You can follow me at Brandon Funston, Eric Wong, who has uh, really brought the meat and potatoes to this uh, edition of this podcast, is uh, can be followed at Roto Evil. And, of course, you can check out his stuff at The Athletic on the Fantasy Hoops page. Uh, and if you want a subscription to The Athletic, we encourage you uh, to go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes and get a 40% off on the subscription rate. With that, you'll get uh, access to our 
all of our NBA podcasts and many other podcasts and great content. All of our podcasts are ad-free. Uh, you can find them on iTunes and at Spotify. And if you enjoy them, if you enjoy listening to them, we always appreciate if you leave us a uh, quick rating and review. So thanks for joining us on this special edition of Dunks and Dimes. We will talk to you again next week.